Welcome to Locked On NFL, your daily podcast on the National Football League on the number one daily sports podcast network. I am Brian Peacock alongside the scouts, Matt Williamson. Matt, we did it. The NFL draft is here. Round one is in the books. It was a really fun night, and I thought the broadcast, they did a really good job of the combined NFL network and ESPN broadcast. Some intrigue, middle and late in the round. Early in the round, though, a lack of movement, which was interesting. And we will go through all of these picks here real quick before we get too deep into it. I want to remind everybody to follow me on Twitter at BD Peacock. Follow Matt at Williamson NFL. We will do a Twitter Thursday next week. So tag us with those if you have some questions about the draft. And I know you will have some questions about the draft. You can subscribe to this podcast on all your favorite podcast apps. Tell a friend about the show. Let them know that Locked On NFL is here for them daily, as is a podcast for their specific team daily on the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, Matt. NFL draft. Pick one. Shocker. Joe Burrow. (laughs) Exactly. And um, really fun evening. Obviously, a lot of anticipation I didn't really watch the coverage. It was on, but it was muted because I'm on the air for Steeler Nation Radio for 20 hours over the next these three days. Oh, so that's that's a lot of uh, a fun. lot of chatting about, about <laughs> the draft, to say the least. Um, but my initial overall takes: some of these picks we're going to breeze over pretty quick because we analyzed them beforehand. And I thought that the draft overall was kind of chalky. You know, it was kind of what you expected, especially the first half of the draft, and I was a little worried. We went about two-thirds of the draft with the only trade being your Niners and Tampa swapping one pick, and I'm thinking... Yeah, one selection. Yeah, you know, are GMs afraid to make deals? Yeah. You know, it it crossed my mind, and then that got washed away. All the rumored conversations and things that could have happened and nothing happened, and really the only intrigue was, okay, what's the order of the offensive tackles? What's the order of the wide receivers. Um, I, I think one of the big ones, and we had talked about this leading up to it. Congratulations to the, the, the Miami dolphins who Absolutely. it sounds like they, they pulled off that smoke screen, right from the combine <laughs> on. It was so heavy. It was all Justin Herbert. They didn't have to trade up. Nobody traded in front of them. They sat at five, kept all of those picks and still got their guy into us. So uh, I got to yeah. applaud them and give them a pretty high grade for the draft, even though their other picks are, are kind of meh. Yeah, I I hundred percent agree. And I, I, I did some other uh, work along those lines. And to your point, yeah, maybe it's a little shocking that Andrew Thomas was the first tackle taken, but I'm not shocked that the Giants took a tackle at four. Right. Or, you know, Ruggs was the first receiver taken, but I'm not shocked that the Raiders were the team that did it at 12. And I kind of called it a game of chicken, you know, and I think Miami won the quarterback game of chicken that we're we're not going to bite. Hey, Detroit, we're not going to give you an extra pick to move up. We're going to hold our water. And they got their guy. I mean, that's a potentially franchise-changing face of the franchise type of move, and it didn't cost them anything extra. And while we are talking Miami, I mean, I didn't love their other two picks, but I think it's pretty clear that this is a new wave way of thinking that they're going to invest in Expensive positions, scarce positions, corners, Mm -hmm. left tackle, quarterback. You know, I mean, I I don't think that they're going to use first round picks on guards and running backs. And, you know, I mean, it's it's smart use of your money for positional value. Absolutely. Positional value in some front offices is going to be something that we're seeing a lot of. And it's something that's preached in the analytics community. And, you know, the folks at PFF 
talk about it. You see, the, the pro football focus mock draft, by the way, is is so off of what teams are thinking and doing that it's not really uh, something to utilize as far as projecting the draft. But, it, I mean, it's all quarterbacks. It's all corners. It's all, you know, those those positions that have the positional value, no running backs, you know, very few linebackers and that type of thing. We'll get to some of those positional value uh, question marks later in the first round. Interesting, real quick, about the uh, the Miami Dolphins, though, that with all those extra picks, the team that everybody thought was the most likely to trade up, they actually traded down one spot and got another pick. Yeah, right, right. I mean, I thought they handled the board very well. I mean, again, this the second and third first-round pick, maybe you don't love the players, but left tackles and corners are really expensive. And now they have three corners that they're heavily invested in. Uh, They have a lot more picks these next couple of rounds. So the dolphins are moving the right direction. And I just really hope Tua stays healthy. Right. And that's the key. Did they get the hip right? Because if they did, then it's a slam dunk and and well done to Chris Greer and the Miami front office there at the fifth pick. Uh, Didn't mention Chase Young to Jeff Okuda three to the Washington Redskins and Detroit Lions respectfully as expected, and it was Andrew Thomas, the first tackle off the board, number four to the New York Giants. And then it was Justin Herbert, who was there for the Los Angeles Chargers at six. Do you think the Chargers really had Herbert as number one, or maybe they were kicking themselves because they thought it might be Tua that falls to them? That's hard to say. I don't know. Um, I understand why you would take Herbert, whether that's settling or you had equal grades on the two. I think he's going to fit that zone-blocking stretch run game the you know Shanahan McVay model rollouts after that bootlegs I still don't like the pick I just don't think he's a top 10 player I understand quarterbacks have more value but I would have taken one of the tackles or Isaiah Simmons or even Derek Brown and said hey Cam Newton come be my quarterback Speaking of Derek Brown that's where things started to get a little bit different than some of the mocks we saw was the Carolina Panthers went Derek Brown at seven, which meant Isaiah Simmons was starting to slip a little bit. And what we saw on most mock drafts was an offensive tackle to the Cardinals. They said, you know what? We've got to go and stay true to our board and get our best player, which at that point at eight was Isaiah Simmons. So that changed things up. And that meant another offensive tackle was going to slide a little bit to some other teams. Yeah. Yeah. And I bet the Panthers had a tough call, Brown versus Simmons. And obviously they worked it out beforehand, knowing that one they had a slightly higher grade over one over the other. And I do think Simmons would have been the pick if they would have a Brown in place. I mean, if you're not going to protect Simmons with D tackles, you're not putting them in a good situation. So yeah. I see what, you know, what kind of like putting the, the cart before the horse or the horse before the cart or whatever that is. And then I think the Cardinals just said, wow, if you're going to give me Simmons, I planned on going a tackle there, but maybe I can milk a year out of Marcus Gilbert and take a tackle in the second round. I'll take probably the highest graded player on our board. And maybe oh, the Cardinals definitely can... Definitely the highest player. player right, yeah, definitely the highest player, and they're probably thinking, yeah, maybe we can get an Ezra Cleveland now on day two mm-hmm. and, and, and hope to, to get a, a really athletic player that can fit our scheme and maybe develop that guy, and then it'll really work out. So interesting to see what happens there with the Cardinals on day two because offensive tackle is something that that they definitely should be attacking in this draft. Pick nine, the Jacksonville Jaguars select the second corner off the board, C.J. Henderson. That was a pick that a lot of people thought could happen. A lot of uh, insiders were talking about how Henderson was going to go a little bit higher than people expected. He did get inside the top 10, but the, but again, that pushed down some more offensive tackles and some other players that maybe teams probably didn't expect to see 
in the middle of round one. And then finishing up the top 10, it was Jedrick Wills, my favorite tackle in this class, fantastic pick by the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, and Henderson's pretty chalky. I mean, the Jags need a lot, but you trade Bouye and Ramsey, and there's only two number one corners in this draft. You got one. Good work. Wills was my favorite tackle as well. And my only concern, and especially without mini camps and who knows how much you know work they'll be able to do, Wills has never played the left side, and Conklin is the right tackle in Cleveland. I still thought he was the best tackle prospect pretty easily, to be honest. Did you have a favorite pick or a least favorite pick there out of the top 10 selections before we move on to the middle of round one? Herbert's my least, but I get it, of course. Right. It's a quarterback. And yeah. if he hits, I mean, he has all the tools. I mean, he has everything, and including it's almost like he's too nice of a guy, too smart of a guy. Uh, Alex Smith got this coming out of the draft. He's like, is it too smart? Is it going to take him, you know, maybe an extra year to feel comfortable in the offense because he's a little bit more of a thinker than a reactor. And I think there's a little bit of that with Justin Herbert, you know, nice guy, smart guy, cannon arm, tall, super athletic, doesn't get credit for how much of an athlete he is and how well he right. can run. I saw him make Brandon and I look silly when they played uh, Utah with with him just rolling out and, and he had he couldn't catch him, period. And so it was, it's it's a weapon to have a quarterback that can run away from a defensive end like that. Yeah, there's tons to work with there. And I, I almost guarantee Tyrod Taylor will start the year so you can bring him along slow. I, I mean, I understand it. He's going to be on the billboards in L.A. People are going to hopefully be buying Herbert jerseys in that, that, those cool San, – I almost said San Diego. Well, it is San Diego colors. And, <laughs> and so I get all that. I just think that they're closer to a win-now team. Throw Simmons on that defense. And later they trade up for Murray, you know, so it's kind of a similar situation. Or, you know, throw Beckton on there and run behind him. I, I, I just think with Cam Newton looming out there, I would have taken the bird in the hand and went with Tyrod and Cam or something like that. A lot of good picks and not, not much to not like, I think, in the top right. 10 there. Not super surprising stuff. I like Simmons at 8. I like Wills at 10. And obviously I mentioned getting Tua at 5 without having to trade. I think Thomas would probably be my least favorite pick. Uh, along with Herbert, just because I do have questions about Herbert. But Thomas, they didn't get the best tackle, and Gettleman never trades down, but I wonder if they had an opportunity to trade down and still get a good tackle. Right, and okay, you like Thomas best, and most years he probably would be my number one tackle. He was my fourth. I can't be too critical. It smells Gettleman-ish, though. Let's move on to picks 11 through 20 in the 2020 NFL Draft next. Things starting to get very interesting in the middle of round one, and we did see our first trade, as you mentioned at the top. It was the 49ers at pick 13 was the first time we saw movement, and they only went down one pick, and it was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers moving up one slot. Before we get to them, the team that I think had a big impact on how the rest of the board fell was the New York Jets at 11 because it was tackle or wide receiver, and it was really going to heavily impact those runs at those positions. They went with Mekhi Beck and the Becked in the tackle, which meant all the wide receivers then, you know, the dominoes were that the wide receivers are going to fall. And that's what we saw throughout the rest of the middle of round one. Then Henry Ruggs and Al Davis special went to the Raiders at 12. Your thoughts on those two picks? Yeah, and we often talked about 11 is going to be a tackle or a receiver. Which way would you lean? And I don't think there's a wrong answer. I mean, I wonder if Sam Darnold was sitting here and you said you could have Becton or your choice of receivers, which would he pick? I don't know. I probably would have taken Judy there, but hey, I mean, a, a rare 
big body tackle like Becton makes perfect sense. And then Al Davis special for the, for the Raiders, um, a really good player. It didn't shock me that Ruggs was the first receiver off the board, but like you, Judy was my favorite. In a vacuum, I would have gone Judy or yeah. Lamb over Becton and over Ruggs there, but I yeah. can see where the Jets are. And in this draft, you can't get a you can't get the tackle later as easily as you can get some wide receivers. And it's a deep wide receiver class. And who knows, maybe they'll get two or three uh, with the rest of this draft here because there's there's a lot of good ones out there. So I can see that strategy for the Jets and with. With Ruggs and the Raiders, I mean, this is perfect, right? It's setting up to be, as the rumors were, that the speedster, the four-two-seven guy, even though most people thought maybe he wasn't the best wide receiver, was going to be the first wide receiver off the board. And you can see this, right? We look back in five years and go, oh, the stupid Raiders, they drafted the fast guy when right. and, and let the, the actual better receiver fall a little bit. Although, I don't hate Ruggs, and I think the 12 spot is fine for him. I'm just surprised that the other guys fell. Yeah, I don't think Ruggs is Hayward Bay, but it, it kind of smells that way a little bit when that's the, the receiver you take and there's others on the board. Um, I will say after the first 11 picks, I thought, is a theme going to be everyone's going to wait on receivers? And then that quickly changed, of course. And then, yeah, finally, it, it just got to the point where teams are like, well, I've got to take this guy now. And, of course, 15 props to the Broncos, there was rumors they were going to move up to draft a receiver. They sat there and drafted Jerry Judy at 15, didn't have to move. So A plus for them, and it just fell right into their laps. Uh, before we get to 15, though, there was that trade. And I have to imagine when I'm looking at this draft board here and the fact that the 49ers moved down one spot tells me they had somebody else on the phone, which right. if I'm looking at this, most likely was those Dolphins who took an offensive tackle at 18. And the 49ers weighed, okay, look, do we get a fourth rounder, move down to one spot, and make sure we get one of the guys we like here? Or if we go to 18, now we moved out of that tier. And it's that tier we had talked about all along, Matt, and they decided just to go down the one spot, and the Bucks had to move because if it wasn't the Bucks moving up, it was going to be another team going up to 13 to get that last tackle in Tristan Wurst. Right, and, and there was obviously a tier break at a hugely important position so I understand why Tampa would sacrifice that mid-round pick to ensure they get their guy, you know, make Brady as happy as possible, as comfortable as possible. Um, I was also thinking, and we'll get to the Falcons here in a minute, maybe they wanted to go up and get Kinlaw. Mm -hmm. I mean, uh, somebody was on the line, or at least San Fran told the Bucks somebody was on the line. Right. <laughs> and, you know, still get their guy and they get the extra pick. Although I'm sure you would have taken Judy there. Yep, it was Judy, then Lamb were the guys, and then Kinlaw was next. So it was right, you know, it was one, two, three. I just had the wide receivers higher than than Kinlaw. And I do have some questions about Kinlaw, but Boomer Bust, the, the high end, when you see him play at the highest levels, it's like, wow, this guy could be an absolute monster. And obviously, organizationally, the philosophy of building that line, having a monstrous defensive line, is what carried him to the Super Bowl last year. They want to keep that a strength, so you cannot fault them for that. No, it's very understandable. Um, similar body types to the Armstead Buckners, long arms, huge upside. You don't need them to be a star this minute. You can develop them slow, use them situationally. There's just not many of those people on the planet or even in the league that they have a lot of value. And he may end up be hitting, he might hit huge. And obviously they want to keep six, seven quality defensive linemen and it works. Jerry Judy, as I mentioned, fantastic by the Broncos and really a nice fit with Cortland Sutton there. He can get deep. He can work the short. He can work the intermediate uh, slam dunk pick. Then here's the first guy who jumped and broke our, it was almost 16 for 16, Matt, for yeah, both of our boards. Uh, C.D. Lamb slipped out of it surprisingly, shockingly almost, to 
the Dallas Cowboys at 17 and the Falcons who might have been trying to move up at some point for a cornerback. They had to settle for the third corner, which is, I'm guessing, a pick you didn't love because, as you mentioned, you don't want to be the team drafting the third corner. And it feels like they just had to go for need there, had to go corner at 16 for the Falcons. Absolutely. It's probably my least favorite pick of the first round. I totally understand it, but I felt justified. I felt like I'm still right that there were 16 premier prospects. Mm -hmm. And not only did they do the thing I didn't want anyone to do or be the team that would get stuck in the situation of taking the third corner, but they passed on one premier, the last premier prospect to do it because they really had no choice. I mean, I felt like, and I said this a thousand times, Atlanta is going to go defense, 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 maybe a running back mixed in and they're not going to take a running back at 16. So they had to take a very, I mean, uh, the least value pick of the draft, in my opinion, to reach. CeeDee Lamb at 17. You could see the look on Jerry Jones' face on the TV broadcast. I think he was pretty happy that one of these blue chippers fell into his lap at 17. And all it took is that one extra guy, and it was at 16, to push CeeDee Lamb down and some wide receivers falling. And it wasn't the number one need for the Cowboys, but if you're Dallas, you're you're at 17. The way the board falls, there was no other way to go. Yeah, I think you just take it. I mean, unless somebody's going to blow your doors off with a trade because they can't believe CeeDee Lamb's there. Um, You know, Cobb is gone. Not that that was a huge loss, but Lamb, I think, will be your slot guy. I think this was one of the top three offenses in the league last year, and they got better. Oof. Um, I mean, he's an Oklahoma guy. You knew Jerry was going to love that, too. And I just think the value is tremendous. You Sometimes you get a gift and just don't, you know, don't shun it. Just take yeah. it and then go defense all day today. Don't question it. Just profit right. and have fun. Uh, and C.D. Lamb, like I mentioned, remember early in the process, I was like, you know what, C.D. Lamb, the, 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 the league is going to screw up with him. Sub 6'2", sub 200 pounds, doesn't run a 4-4-40. They're going to let him slip a little bit. And I'd said how he's not a lock to go top 15, and he was the guy that slipped, even though I still at the end thought it wasn't going to happen, but it did. 18, Austin Jackson, a little bit of a reach here for me, similar to what we talked about with Terrell at corner, uh, that fifth offensive tackle. And I didn't even think he was the fifth offensive tackle, but I see the athleticism and the upside there for the Dolphins to go Austin Jackson at 18. And you talked about Terrell as the biggest reach. I think Damon Arnett was the biggest reach in the first round. And I have a guy, Eric Crocker, who's a former NFL and uh, AFL f- cornerback, and he'd ranked his corners. He loves the way Damon Arnett plays on the field, but there was some off-field stuff with him. He ran a four-five-seven, shorter arms. I thought he was going to be someone that played early but fell to round three or even round four. I was shocked to see him in the top 20. Yeah, me too. Um, Jackson, I, I thought Jones was my five tackle and Jackson was six, but Jackson's extremely young. I, I believe that the Marrow thing you know, did not show us his best tape. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the Dolphins saying, we're not winning the Super Bowl this year anyway. So in three years, if he's a premier player and we have the, the patience to wait, great. But Arnett didn't make much sense to me. And I, I'm starting to question the uh, the front office in Vegas a little bit <laughs> with these two last drafts. And I think what they like is, yeah, he has size. He's very physical. There's a lot of press man snaps from Ohio State, and that's great. But um, I thought he was a second-round player. They love competitors, and they'll yeah. they'll pass on the other stuff. It's pretty clear, and we'll see if May- Mayock's uh, strategy pays off. Uh, the last one in this segment here is pick 20, the Jacksonville Jaguars' second selection, and they took Caleb Von Chason, 
edge rusher, outside linebacker, pass rusher from LSU, and the pretty clear heir apparent now to Yannick Ngakwe, who did not get traded, though, on Thursday night. Right, and the clip is there wasn't a lot of action. I mean, I kind of feel like Trent Williams and the Dockway better get traded today or you're going to get pennies on the dollar, especially after you go draft an edge after, you know, taking Allen last year off the edge. So, I mean, there is <laughs> – you got your guys. I have no problem with the pick. High upside dude, but what are you going to get for an Adokwe at this point? It seems like the Jaguars should run a 3-4 defense, right, with the way they're building that thing right now? Right. Right. I mean, they're, they're looking for speed up front, and they're getting it. I wonder if he'll play just a straight linebacker, or do you think he'll play defensive end, maybe just be a, a, a situational guy year one? I think he'll be a situational guy. Bring him along slowly, high upside line. Him and Allen will be your edge rushers on all nickel and dime situations, which is, you know, more than half the time, you know, yeah. two-thirds of the time. All right, we'll get to pick 21 with the Philadelphia Eagles and throughout the rest of round one through pick 32 coming up. It's funny that the Dallas Cowboys are the team that C.D. Lamb fell into their lap because the Philadelphia Eagles were the team that maybe you thought, oh, they're going to trade up to try to get Lamb, but the Cowboys aren't letting the Eagles have Lamb. They went right. with Jalen Rager instead, the speedster from TCU, and then back-to-back -back wide receivers there, uh, receivers four and five, Justin Jefferson of LSU 22 to the Vikings. Everybody mocked them wide receivers, and they did. They went uh, wide receivers four and five there. A little bit different order than most people had them, though. Yeah, and I've heard some Eagle fans that are disappointed that they passed on Jefferson but I really thought the goal is we need explosion, not necessarily Deshaun Jackson, but closer to Deshaun Jackson than Alshon Jeffrey. You have those tight ends that are middle of the field guys. I don't know that Jefferson can be an outside receiver. I know he's a slot. Um, I thought Rager or Mims would make a lot more sense from just the, the downfield outside the numbers perspective. I think Rager was one of the most underrated players in this draft. And then I kind of, when the Vikings run the clock, I thought, would they go Mims and want something that's a lot different than Thielen? Or will they take the slot guy as Diggs and Thielen were very versatile slot or outside? And I bet they just looked at Jefferson and said, he's too good to pass up. We got to go receiver corner a lot like the Raiders. So this is step one. It's interesting also that the Vikings and 49ers both traded away star players for first round picks, then just replaced them with a cheaper version in the draft at the slots they traded those picks away from uh, the defensive tackle at 14 for the Niners and the wide receiver at 22 for the Vikings. This next pick though, the, the Kenneth Murray thing, did you see that one coming? I did not. And a trade up trade for it. Up. I mean, you yeah. got to trade up a lot to get up into the first round from round two to take a linebacker. That was one of the head scratchers here. I was really surprised by that of all the trades that I thought were possible that one was, wow, okay, you must have really, really loved Kenneth Murray there. Yeah. I thought it was for an offensive tackle. Up, I thought maybe it'd be Josh Jones. Right, you know, yeah, I mean, exactly. a tackle went pretty recently. But he is a super high-character guy, um, kind of a position of need, kind of completes their defense. I mean, I think he'll be the quarterback and leader of that defense for years. It seemed a little rich, and I'm sure the Patriots were happy to make the move, but I guess I understand, but this is kind of a win-now mode after taking Herbert in the first round. I mean, it's still with Cam Newton. And you can see where everybody in the world thought that 
the Saints at 24 were going to draft a linebacker, so that's where you had to go if you yeah. wanted to get your choice of linebackers there. And then the Saints, I wonder if they had Murray ready to go because they didn't go linebacker. They went with the center in Cesar Ruiz. They already got a good young center there, so uh, Ruiz probably plays guard at first. But, I mean, he's a stud, and I thought Ruiz was a lock first-rounder. And really, I just, I just love what the Saints continue to do personnel-wise. Yeah, and 23 and 24 were a little bit of a head-scratcher, Murray and Ruiz. But I always say, too, that, boy, the Saints during the Breeze you know, era have dedicated more resources to interior linemen than any team in the league. And I think, you know, when they did that, I'm like, they took a center early last year who was good, McCoy. But I think he's going to be the guard for Warford. And they also re-signed Pete. And I'm like, boy, they really need more. But I think Warford's the one that's uh, in the doghouse. So they were a team that really didn't need much and just take a, a quality dude. I thought that was going to be Pat- Patrick Queen when it happened, though. Then the sixth wide receiver, the sixth and final receiver of round one, Brandon Ayuk to the 49ers, who packaged that extra fourth rounder they got from Tampa with a fifth rounder to go up from 31 to 25 and select Brandon Ayuk out of Arizona State. Then the Packers made a move from 30 to 26, which was maybe the biggest shocker of the entire first round as far as, um, you know, the classic Packers move. And Aaron Rodgers, as they said on the broadcast, the same age as Brett Favre was when the Packers went and got Rodgers in the same area of round one, Jordan Love to the Packers. That was uh, that was a fun moment on draft night to see that unfold. Yeah, I bet you're awfully happy with Ayuk. I was shocked that, can, I know they picked up the extra pick earlier in the in the round, but I still didn't think they would be a trade-up type team just because, you know, they're, the, the Niners are going to sit and watch today. But boy, I bet Shanahan loves Ayuk in terms of just after the catch, you know, which that offense is so predicated on some Debo Samuel behind the line of scrimmage, jet sweep type stuff. Ayuk doesn't have to come in and be a star right away. He can work on getting off press coverage and things like that. It's a tremendous fit. The love pick is the most noteworthy of the draft. And it just screams, you know, when Aaron Rodgers got picked. And maybe it all works out for the Packers and they go 35 years with all pro quarterbacks. I mean, what an amazing track record that would be. I'm not a love believer. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is going to coddle him and treat him super great and be this wonderful mentor. And I can't believe they would take him over Denzel Mims or trade up to do it. But it's just like the Herbert conversation. I mean, a potential franchise quarterback has extreme value. And if he's that guy, then they won. Where does Aaron Rodgers play in two years? That's the big question. If Jordan Love does develop and Jordan Love hits, I mean, is, he, is, is Rodgers a New England Patriot when he's 40? Is he, a, does he go play for the San Francisco 49ers, his hometown team he grew up? We'll see the same thing with, and I'm sure it's going to happen with the 49ers. It's, uh, poor Jimmy Garoppolo is going to have now the Aaron Rodgers shadow hanging over his head. Another California guy that grew up rooting for the 49ers that people are going to say, oh, future Hall of Famer, is, is he better than Jimmy Garoppolo? I guarantee that storyline is going to happen. Yeah, I think Rodgers is declining a little, but, I mean, he's declining from elite to really good, so it's not like it's, you know, uh, he's a bad quarterback. Um, We'll see. I I bet he's not a Packer, though, in 2022. In my latest mock draft, I had Jordan Love with the team trading up to pick 27, so I was one pick off. I thought the Seahawks would be the team that moved out of round one. Uh, they stayed yeah. in round one and took a player that nobody had in round one, linebacker Jordan Brooks out of Texas Tech. 
I don't like this one either. I mean, I still think KJ Wright and Wagner are playing at a very high level. They have some other linebackers on that squad that are decent. They almost always have two on the field. I think Brooks is a fine prospect. This is kind of an analytics thing too, that I'm cool with taking a linebacker in the first round. If they have special movement traits, I mean, if they're Devin White, Devin Bush, you know, Roquan Smith, you know, some of the guys that were picked, even Queen and Murray. And I think Brooks is a very good athlete, a very good player, a very safe pick. But every time Seattle makes a first round pick anymore, I kind of <laughs> roll my eyes and it doesn't. And, and I'm right. You yeah, know, like, oh, yeah everybody's right. Or Rashard Penny, like sometimes these draft Knicks know a thing or two and just zagging and taking a guy that's not worth that pick isn't really working out for you guys. Yeah, and you want to talk about positional value with the Seahawks, and they mm-hmm. took Penny, the running back, late in round one. They take a linebacker here, and it's just like, if you're going to swing, at least with some other picks, they swung with defensive linemen and, and offensive tackles, which I get, but a linebacker or a running back, that makes even less sense when you when you uh, see this draft. And it's crazy because of how bad they've been drafting it in round one, but they still draft at the end of round one. So something else is going on, right? And last year, LJ Collier is like, what are you doing? But then they got a first round value in the second round of DK Metcalf. So it all turns out all right in the end for the Seahawks. It strengthens my argument that Russell Wilson's the best player in football right now. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to argue that sometimes. Uh, Patrick Queen does go very next pick, which was even more surprising that he was still on the board. And a team went right in front of him went with the other linebacker, Wayne Jordan Brooks. So Queen goes to the Baltimore Ravens. Isaiah Wilson Offensive tackle to the Tennessee Titans, and there was late information there. I think a lot of people at the last minute threw Isaiah Wilson at the end of round one to the Titans to be that right tackle replacing Jack Conklin. Noah Igbenogany, cornerback from Auburn. (laughs) I I paused a little bit, but uh, I got it, got there. Uh, To the Dolphins, who had moved down to the Packers pick at 30. Jeff Gladney, cornerback out of TCU, and... A nice little pick to end it. It was a running back, and not the running back that everybody thought was going to be number one, but a running back that everyone loves in Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, the 5'7 running back, finishes off round one to the Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs, at pick 32. What are your thoughts there in the last uh, four or five picks? Queen's like the no-brainer of no-brainers. I'm sure they were doing jumping jacks. Run that one to the podium, hypothetically. Uh, good blitzer, you know, covers a lot of ground, young. I'm sure they adore him. As soon as the Wilson pick was made to Tennessee, I said, oh, I should have seen that coming a mile away. Mash, you know, Henry behind Wilson where Conklin used to be. All adds up. Uh, we talked about Iganogamy a little bit. I don't think I said his name right. I would imagine he's going to be a slot for now, but I think it's just positional value. I'm taking extra corner. That that team that defense is built like the Patriots. You know, we want man coverage corners. We're gonna blitz like crazy. I'll take everyone I can get. So they're gonna invest, you know, in, in highly talented guys. And like Jackson, the left tackle, he's not ready to play right now at a high level, but he's got a really high ceiling. Glad he's kind of the opposite to me. You know, he's plug and play. They needed a corner, pretty chalky pick. And then Edward Hilaire just tells you what the Chiefs are all about, you know. We're going to score 800 points a game, and the passing game's all that matters, and just keep adding riches to riches. Yep, they're going to throw it 60 times yep. a game, even when they're winning. The pass is the new run, so uh, that's what's going on in Kansas City. It's a scary offense to play against, and they got a really fun player there in Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I wonder if they would have gone corner, but corners went bam, bam, right in front of them, and so they went, you know what, screw it, let's go running back. Maybe. I mean, I had mocked a corner to them over and over, 
or an athletic linebacker if they would have fallen. Um, there certainly was not a linebacker to consider. Yeah, they went to right in front. Yeah, right. I mean, I don't know. Maybe this was the plan all along. You know, we're just going to keep adding weaponry, and Mahomes is going to just keep racking up points. And I think it is telling that Edwards Hilaire was the one of the five, in my opinion, that they chose. It wasn't Jonathan Taylor. You know, I mean, it's the receiver. Going into day two, Matt, who are your best players available Friday night and of course we will cover everything that happens round two through round seven next week right here on Locked On NFL who are your best available players were there any guys that you were really shocked didn't get into round one shocked no but three safeties every running back but Hilaire I mean no safety or a running back in the first 31 picks um all the tier two D tackles are are, are interesting Mm, to me choice of tight end maybe that's I mean I kind of keep wink wink patriots when I say that um Mims, I would say Mims is my best player available, or Josh Jones. Yeah, Josh Jones, uh, Yeter Gross Matos, Christian Fulton, Mims. I think that's definitely uh, the next group of guys for me. And absolutely, you're right with those defensive tackles. We're going to see a run on D tackles. Mm-hmm. Uh, Delpit, uh, the run on the, uh, the safeties. McKinney and Delpit, none of those guys got in there. There's some high upside safeties. Duggar, uh, Chin, I think we're going to see all those guys go in round two. A run on running backs in round two. And... As I had predicted, no cornerbacks went in round one that didn't have 40 times. And so I wonder how far oh, yeah. those guys are going to fall because it's just tough for evaluators that don't have that time on players like Trevon Diggs, who, if he ran well at the Combine, would probably have been a first-rounder. And uh, the fact that he didn't run, it just gives those teams a little bit of pause. So we'll see what happens and how those cornerbacks shake out that didn't have workout times pre-draft. Yeah, it's a great call by you. Um, I know we need to wrap this up, but last couple notes. I also adore Zach Bond. I mean, I mentioned Patriots. I mean, he's mm, a guy yeah. that's still out there. I love his game. And for those that listen, my draft bets went pretty well. And if the Bills first picks a defensive player and the Steelers first picks an offensive player and all you guys listen to me, well, we did pretty well together. Well done. I hope everybody out there listened to you and made some money. I hope your buddy AJ made some money and buys you that bottle of bourbon. <laughs> He did really well, by the way. Oh, that did he? Guy, okay. He he did a twenty to one bet, my man AJ, that Andrew Thomas was going to be the first tackle off the board. Wow, twenty to one. Nailed it. Yeah, and put the max on it. Great How job, that, AJ. Man? Maybe I should start listening to him. <laughs> <laughs> Taught him well. He does owe you. He does owe me. I made that clear, and I and I spread the podcast to all our friends where I called him out, so they're good. all going to get on his case. Okay, good. And uh, we will continue to get on AJ's case. We'll continue to break down the 2020 NFL draft next week right here. Locked on NFL.